Hey everybody, welcome again to the MLB Extras Nationals podcast. I'm Tim McMaster along with Jamal Collier, our Nationals reporter. And hey Jamal, shockingly, we're going to start by talking about Bryce Harper on this podcast. We're also going to get into the guys that could win big awards uh, next week for the Nationals. So we'll talk about that too. But let's start with Harper and we're going to continue to do this because obviously it's not just the biggest story this offseason for the Nationals. He's one of the real big stories on the hot stove season across the entire league. But the latest news, which actually came out just this morning as we uh, record this on Wednesday, uh, is kind of the numbers have been thrown out there of the deal that reportedly the Nationals offered Harper right at the end of the season. And those numbers are 10 years, $300 million, which is a lot to say no to, no question. But Jamal, when you're days away from free agency, I feel like it makes it a lot easier to turn that down because even if you revisit it, you have to at least see what's out there. Yeah, I mean, I think that a couple of takeaways I had from the the fact that there was an offer and and kind of learning what that offer was. Um, You know, on one hand, if you're the Nationals, this is, you know, that would be the the biggest free agent contract uh, in not even just MLB history, but of any of the four major sports. Uh, And I think that, you know, to to make that kind of offer and to make that kind of effort for him uh, shows that whether, you know, people were wondering whether they're ready to move on or whatever, you know, I think those all, that was all premature. You know, they're going to be in for Harper and they're going to be in uh, pretty seriously here to try to resign and retain his services kind of as they've maintained all along here. And as Rizzo's maintained uh, throughout the, the last couple of months. And I think that, um, that's the biggest thing I think for the Nationals is that they, you know, did when they had, they they took advantage of that that exclusive window that they had before Harper hits the open market to try and get something done, and they did put a number that is uh, that it has some some tantalizing value to it, and it, it is does make you kind of think about it when you turn down three hundred million dollars. That being said, of course Harper was going to turn this deal down. Of course there was no. Uh, way that he could have taken that three, not no way, but it would be very unlikely to be able to take that money, um, considering one, it does not beat even the biggest contract in MLB history. Uh, when you think about Stan's contract, a $325 million, uh, that he got with the Marlins a couple years back, but it doesn't beat the average kind of annual value. It's still not as much as Granke's $34 million or some of the guys making 33 or $32 million a year. So it doesn't check off any of those boxes when you're talking about Bryce Harper, the, the anticipated free agency, the superstar at 26 and his prime and, and all the kind of numbers we've heard. You know, we basically said that he's going to almost for sure beat one, if not both of those things. And to get that close to free agency and kind of turn down that chance um, would have just been really out of character for the way that not only Harper and, and Boris and company have kind of approached this whole situation. So, um, you know, it didn't come as a surprise to me to hear that number or hear Harper turn it down. Um, and if anything, it's probably encouraging if you're you're on Boris and team Harper's side, because if you think you can get 400 or, or whatever that number is in their mind, the fact that before they even hit the open market, for, before they even got another bidder involved, they were able to get 300 on the table, I think is probably going to be encouraging for them to say, we feel pretty good about the next, you know, over the next couple of months or a couple of weeks that somebody will be able to beat that number. And if not, we can come back to the Nationals and see kind of where we are from that. Yeah, it's kind of a, a floor, I guess, as far as negotiations go. Um, the general manager meeting is going on right now in Carlsbad, California, and uh, MLB Network's J.P. Morosi actually caught up with Mike Rizzo, talked to him about Harper, the time frame, and all of that. Let's listen to a little bit of that interview. Mike, as much as you can tell right now, what's your sense of the timeline Bryce Harper is going to have in free agency? 
Well, you know, he's he's going to be a you know well sought after uh, player and, and you know one of the great players in the game. So there's going to be a lot of interest in him, and uh, you know we've got a great relationship with him, and uh, and he's he's a guy that uh, grew up with us, and we're uh, we're hopeful that uh, we can keep him in the fold. Is the basic tenor of the conversation between you and Scott Boris that certainly you understand Bryce is going to look around and speak with other clubs, but you want to hear back from Scott at the very end? Well, you know we're we've you know we've had a exclusivity uh, for, to to talk with uh, Harp for uh, for you know over 6 years and uh, and you know as as things got to the end we're we're certainly uh, utilizing and exercise the you know the exclusive uh, part of our uh, of our relationship so he kind of danced around giving true answers there but the time frame is interesting right Jamal because Rizzo has actually come out and and spoken to that and kind of basically said, you know, we, we can't wait forever for Bryce Harper. Yeah, and that's the thing is that the Nationals do have other needs this offseason. And they do have, you know, we talked about it a couple times in this podcast before, but you know, they need to figure out their catcher, need another starting pitcher, um, second base, their bullpen. I mean, there's still other things they kind of have to balance. And, you know, they're not operating with a kind of infinite, unlimited budget. And whether or not you're going to commit 30 or $40 million to one player is kind of a big uh, you know, a big deal kind of impacts your, your, the way you can operate, you know, either way. And I think that, you know, I think the line Rizzo had is that at some point it would, it would behoove us uh, to kind of move on. I think that, you know, does that mean that this is, is necessarily close uh, to that point? The Nationals are close to, to being ready to move on. I, I don't get that. I didn't get that indication as of right now. Um, I know that that $300 million offer is off the table as of now, but, um, you know, the two sides that I think at some point are going to communicate again and try to see if they can get another deal done. But, you know, the biggest thing is the Nationals aren't going to wait forever. And I think they just can't afford to if they want to put a competitive team on the field, not only next season, uh, but in the, the season's kind of coming here to try to build a team around Harper. So, um, you know, it, We've seen in the past these Boris clients and these kind of high-profile free agents usually linger in until January or February or so. I would be surprised if we get into somewhere late in the offseason if Bryce is unsigned, if the Nationals are still a really serious player for him um, because they just have some of those, so many other needs that it's and, – and, you know, they can't risk waiting on Bryce and missing out on other free agents and then him not signing with them anyway. It will be interesting because I feel like that is actually the case with a lot of the teams that will be in on Bryce Harper is that, hey, if they can't get him, they're going to want to spend the money somewhere else. And maybe that does speed things up. But then you have Scott Boris, which is always taking his time and making sure his clients get the most money generally, uh, regardless of how long that happens to take the good news if you're a Nats fan that wants to see Bryce Harper back in DC next year is that the relationship between Mike Rizzo and Boris has always been strong we've talked about that on this podcast we did a little bit last time so you would think that those talks will be ongoing and I would think Jamal that if an offer comes in from another team there's a chance that Boris and Harper go back to the Nats maybe and say hey this is the best offer we've received can you top it? Maybe they get that opportunity. Well, only time will tell. Yeah, I, I think almost certainly did they get that opportunity. And I think that, again, even, even the fact that Harper declined and, and did not take this offer they put on the table, um, you know, can be seen as a negative or a bad thing and, and for some people. But I, I think that, you know, it's, it's, there's still a chance these two sides can reach an agreement at some point. I think that that number and at that time was not the right, you know, it was just not the right scenario for, the, for Harper and his camp his camp but 
going forward, uh, you know, there's still a lot of time to negotiate. There's still a lot of uh, different numbers, perhaps that they don't get an offer that's going to be as good as the 10 years and 300 million. And they have to go and negotiate something else with the Nats. Um, there's still just a lot of possibilities. So I think on one hand, the Nats try to take full advantage of, of their exclusive window and try to say they can get something done. But I think that, uh, you know, the reality of what we've heard of the last couple of days is, you know, if they're going to resign Bryce Harper, they're going to probably have to win a bidding war or at least get pretty close to winning a bidding war. And I think that that's that's probably the biggest you know, on one hand, that's the biggest kind of takeaway here. But on the other hand, that's something that's something that they have probably known all, you know, all along here anyway, that this was going to be something that he's going to hit free agency. He's going to see what the open market is willing to give him. And we'll see what that number looks like. And, and you know, if you're the Nationals, it's decide whether or not you want to match or beat that offer or you're comfortable letting him walk. And we will find out uh, either sooner or later. Not sure which of those it'll be. All right, let's talk awards a little bit. Juan Soto's up for Rookie of the Year in the National League. Max Scherzer up for yet another Cy Young in the National League. Seems like, as opposed to the last couple of years, maybe Scherzer is the underdog as a finalist going into next week. Soto, most years, would be a runaway winner. But Jamal... Acuna Jr. had such a great season for the Braves and had such a great finish, and the Braves finished higher than the Nats in the standings. You feel like maybe it comes down to that and Soto ends up on the outside? You know, I think that that's going to be a pretty big edge for Acuna. I mean, it's, it, it really yeah. is a toss-up. You know, I kind of looked at just the numbers comparing these two guys to see who I didn't have an in rookie of the year vote this year, but to see where I would potentially have voted. And honestly, it, I don't know. I mean, it just, it both, both, yeah, it both, both guys were point. so good and, and had arguments depends on what you like. If you like the walks and the power uh, of Soto, you can kind of go with him. You can go with Acuna, who you know, played maybe a little bit better defense, like a strong finish. Uh, he had the kind of power stretch and obviously kind of helped lead the Braves to the playoffs. Uh, you know, they're just was they're both such really good young players. And you're right. Even think about those two guys would be slam dunks either of the year. Even Walker Bueller, who's going to probably finish third, <laughs> you know, think about what he did for the Dodgers and even in the playoffs. Uh, it's just a really loaded, you know, race for rookie of the year. And it's, uh, I'm not sure Soto's going to win. I'm not sure if, if uh, you know, Acuna will get the edge because of the kind of postseason factor, but it's going to be really fascinating to watch how the, the results of really a lot of these, these kind of votings come down. And especially with Max, I mean, uh, you know, DeGrom is, is kind of pulled away at the end as well. Scherzer didn't finish as strongly as he probably wanted to. His ERA was somewhere around four, I think, over, the, over his last maybe seven or eight starts. Um, and I think that that's going to ultimately hurt him. But when you're talking about a guy who coming off two Cy Young Awards, found a way to, you know, <laughs> kind of get better here and strike out 300 guys for the first time in his career. Obviously, that's still, even in this strikeout, you know, uh, rich era, that's still a very, very rare number for pitchers to get to. Only five guys since 2000 um, have even reached that number. So it's still just uh, it really, really impressive everything Max did this year, even if he does fall short you know, of that third Cy Young in a, uh, in a row. And, and if he does, you're talking about a guy who already has a pretty strong Hall of Fame case. You look at the guys with you know four Cy Youngs overall and three in a row like he has. Uh, you're talking about some really elite, elite, elite company that he could potentially join on uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be slowing down here no. either. Uh, one more thing I want to touch on with you. Anthony Rendon does not win a gold glove at third base. <laughs> Arenado does for the sixth straight year. And you can't complain about Nolan Arenado winning a gold glove. He's unbelievable over at the hot corner. But if ever Anthony Rendon had a year where he could kind of feel like he deserved a shot, first in fielding percentage, highest UZR, that's ultimate zone rating, uh, and he had the fewest errors in the National League. Um, you watch him day in and day out. What impresses you the most about Rendon? And I guess if he was in the American League, even, he'd probably be a gold glove winner. 
it's still kind of absurd when you look at just the body of work that Rendon has put together uh, over the past couple of seasons and kind of just throughout his career. Um, I mean, the guys, you said, not won the gold glove, kind of finished second place to Arenado every year. Uh, he's not even made an all-star team. Um, you know, and, and he is kind of just what, what strikes me is just how kind of day in and day out, he is pretty consistently great. Uh, and even, you know, even last year, you see kind of, you know, he had the, the foot injury, uh, missed about a month. He got off to a little bit of a slow start coming back from that. And all of a sudden you look at the end of the year and his numbers are kind of right where they need to be. He's playing great defense. He had a 25 or six game on base streak for the end of the season. And it was just like, well, what, when did this happen? When did all of a sudden it click? And it's kind of just so you know, natural and smooth in every single day. And you hear a lot about baseball players trying to keep things the same or, or is this just such a long season of the grind? I think he has mastered that in a way that pretty much no other player I've been around or ever seen has 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 uh, has done. That, you know, even when he seems to be struggling or seems to be doing well, um, you know, you hear a lot, it's kind of cliche to say he's the same guy, but it, it legitimately you wouldn't be able to tell either way. By looking at him, and I think it's just a very impressive and steady player to watch, um, and a steady, really, really good player to watch that he's become so far for the Nats. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of a year from now, obviously, when he is uh, one of the big free agent names. He's only got the year left in his contract. Whether or not he will be, uh, you know, how teams will evaluate him with a guy who might not have an All Star, might not have any Gold Gloves, um, might not have any of those kind of shiny. Uh, uh, wars or anything on his resume, but it's going to have numbers at, at you know at the twenties in his in his prime in the twenties um, that is going to stack him up with anybody else in the in the National League, especially at that position. Yeah, and if he puts together a healthy twenty nineteen, who knows he could uh, be cashing in big time next offseason. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the MLB Extras Nationals podcast for Jamal Collier. I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in.